What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Just So You Know podcast. I am your host, Maximilian Hussler. It is the week of August 12th. We did not have a show last week, uh, but I did write some new stories, and that's what we're going to be discussing this week, and we'll have some brand new news for you next week. So let's get right into the podcast this week in the news. Uh, so people might not care about this, and there really wasn't a lot of news that I found to be poignant uh, last week, so this show might be a little bit shorter than some of our other ones, but people who know me know that I'm sort of very into the weirdness of North Korean culture. I'm fascinated by it. I bought books on it. I've watched every documentary that can be watched on the subject. A book I would recommend uh, for people who are also interested is Aquariums of Poignang. If you're sort of fascinated by, by this country, this book is about the prisoner camps, and it's a jarring read, but one that really, but but what really fascinates me about it is how far a communist regime is willing to go to give off the appearance that everything is is normal to the West. That's what really fascinates me about North Korea. So, like you know, they have um, traffic women who direct traffic, except there's no cars on the roads. They have arcades that house games that probably make your Atari twenty six hundred look like a PlayStation Seven. They have huge buildings with no construction or renovation being done on the inside just to give off the appearance of a thriving metropolis. It's a very bizarre place, okay? And I would say they learned most of this weird behavior from Mao's China. These regimes were extremely close, and they still are. China is one of the only countries that sends aid and food to North Korea, and I think that's because they don't want the system to collapse and have to deal with a mass influx of crazy, starving North Korean immigrants. Anyway, uh, China is very bizarre as well, and boy, that was on display at the Olympics. Uh, and if you have not seen this story, I'll explain it to you now. Basically, the Chinese women's badminton players threw matches so that they could later have more favorable matchups. And then when Indonesian and South Korean players saw this was happening, they also started throwing matches to avoid having to play the team that was throwing the match to play them. Excuse me? On the Olympic stage, they did this nonetheless. And if you watch the footage, I don't know the first fucking thing about badminton other than the thing you hit around is called a shuttlecock. And uh, it's rather awkwardly shaped, the shuttlecock is. But I do know effort, and I know when someone is trying at something, and these women did not do a good job at, let's say, hiding their lack of effort. All four teams were kicked out of the tournament and cited by the Badminton World Foundation for conducting themselves in a manner that is clearly detrimental to the sport. What the fuck? Detrimental to the sport. Your kids everywhere are going to be sobbing because Yu Yang uh, isn't who the doting public thought that she was. China apparently has been doing this for years, so says Indonesia, and it makes sense, right? This is a country where they just do not give a fuck. They don't even cheat on the hush-hush. They just come out and throw matches so that when the knockout round comes, they'll be able to play a lower seed. But uh, you would think a coach or whoever selected them for the Olympics would give them a little bit of insight. Or are they just that arrogant that they think they can do whatever the fuck they want and the rest of the world just has to deal with it? What a crazy, crazy country. It's hard for me to ever trust a nation that drowns baby girls. And I'm not sure I'll ever be able to fully overlook that particular nugget of information. And we're going to pick on China a little bit more this month. uh, As apparently this week, a student flipped out after his girlfriend broke up with him, went out and murdered eight people with a knife and wounded five others. The teen killed two of his girlfriend's family members and then another six while fleeing. In early 2010, there were a string of knife attacks. Uh, against school children, in which 20 students were killed and more than 50 were injured. And I say that to say this, folks, where there is a will, there is a way. 
You know, you look back at two horrible days in American history, for the most part, the two deadliest days, 9-11 and the Oklahoma Federal Building bombing, and in neither case were guns used. Instead, Al-Qaeda pulled off their hijinks with box cutters, and Timothy McVeigh used simple fertilizer in a truck. So, case in point, my mind, is that if evil is in your heart, you'll get the job done via gun, knife, box cutter, bomb, poison, vehicle, where there is a will, there is a way. You know, with James Holmes in particular, here was a guy who booby-trapped his apartment with bombs and chemicals and whatnot. So if he didn't have access to semi-automatic weapons, is there any doubt in uh, your mind that he would have thought outside the box? I mean, really? Again, I'm no fan of guns. I live in New York where it's nearly impossible to own one, and people get shot and killed every day of the year in this city. Additionally, the hard evidence shows us that shootings of five or more people, so if you want to say these mass shooting incidents, have increased since 1992 two by one half of a percent only one half of a percent but unfortunately the media does ratchet up this perception that these mass shootings are becoming more and more frequent and they're just not so i don't have the answer for you folks nor will i pretend to uh and it really is complicated it really is which is why in this show i really do try to look at things from a completely unbiased point and hopefully at some point we'll be able to conclude uh, to the best answer for the most people. So again, as I struggle with this gun issue, we'll talk about it more and more as things happen. Finally, I don't know if anyone saw this this week, but just another example uh, of uh, let the government run something and it will be done completely inefficiently and for way too much money. Amtrak, the government's rather laughable excuse for a railroad company, announced this week that they're losing millions of dollars a year on food sales. $800 million over the last 10 years to be exact. And it is being blamed in waste, employee theft, and lack of oversight. At least that's what government auditors say. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever eaten on an Amtrak train, but let me tell you that the microwave food is both disgusting and extremely overpriced. I'm in no way exaggerating when I tell you that McDonald's food blows Amtrak's off the track. Pun intended. And just so you know, Congress put their foot down in 1981 and basically told Amtrak that at the very least, they were going to have to break even with their food business. And how many years since 1981 would you guess that they've done that? Five years maybe? Ten years? Zero years. Amtrak has never broken even, not a single time in 31 years. Instead, they've lost an average of $80 million a year. I mean, this is appalling. And taxpayers are paying the cost, so don't sit back and say, oh, poor Amtrak. No, poor us. Amtrak charges $2 for a soda. It winds up costing us, the taxpayer, $3.40 when labor's included. They charge 9 bucks for a cheeseburger. And no, this is not Shake Shack, J.G. Mellon, or Corner Bistro. As I've said, and I stand by it, it makes McDonald's seem delicious. Now, that $9 burger winds up costing the taxpayer $16. 16 fucking dollars. The labor adds almost 60% to the food cost. Now, my point about this is that this could and would never happen in a private industry. The board would have a nuclear meltdown after three years at the absolute most. They'd either fire everyone running the food wing and replace them, or say, you know, we just don't do very well at selling food and drink on the train. Let's end that part of the business. Uh, which is ridiculous in itself because they have a fucking monopoly. There aren't many other options on Amtrak, not a lot of food courts on trains, so they fucked up their own monopoly. You look at other places where you're forced to buy the food sold uh, at movie theaters and arenas and ballparks, and that's where 
either place will tell you they're making the bulk of their profit via concessions. That's helping their business big time. The government has taken that and turned it into a loss of $80 million a year. It is mind-boggling. You're trapped on a train buying $9 cheeseburgers and they can't turn a profit on them. And we, the taxpayers, don't hear boo about it for 31 years. And people wonder why I'm terrified to let the government run healthcare. You really trust these people with your life, with managing it at cost? Wake up and smell the embalming fluid, people. Your government is a joke, and the punchline is always the taxpayer. Sadly enough, that's the way that it is. I'm going to do a recommendation of the week. I recommended Dragonfly NY, a Thai restaurant, about two weeks ago, and it closed down now. So... Uh, I'm not doing too well with these recommendations, but this week's recommendation uh, is actually a comic book. Well, not so much a comic book as it is a graphic novel filled with about 10 short stories. Now, I really don't like comics per se, especially ones that involve superheroes. I hate superhero shit. Um, but on my iPad, I've been reading some of the darker, more adult comics of late, and the one that I'm recommending is actually called Twisted Dark. Uh, a dude named Neil Gibson created Twisted Dark, and it's sort of a collection of really deep and disturbing stories, sort of in the same vein as The Twilight Zone or Tales from the Dark Side. And, you know, I really love reading the short stories of Edgar Allan Poe and, uh, and Stephen King, you know, who wrote great short story books like Night Shift and Different Seasons and Skeleton Crew. And these stories really sort of invoke those sorts of themes and that sort of depth. And it's all in black and white art, so you have this beautifully dreary uh, graphics uh, these beautiful jury graphics that I really enjoyed looking at. The themes are really dark. The stories have nice little twists that sort of tie in with each other. And it's really just incredible fiction. Um, and I wrote a comment on Neil Gibson's Facebook page to let him know how much I like Twisted Dark and inquired as to when the next volumes would be available on the iPad. Um, I think there are currently three volumes out, but only one volume is available now on the iPad. He responded very graciously and said the next version should be out within a month. So pick up Twisted Dark Volume 1. I love reading. I try to get through a book a week, and it can be hard with work and everything else, but this is really easy to get through. The whole thing took me about an hour and a half. I mean, more like a, you know, an hour or so. And it's about 170 pages, and it's just amazing. Furthermore, I want to congratulate one of my best friends in the entire world, John Luca Rotura, on getting engaged to uh, Barbara Mancuso. Um, and, you know, this is a guy that I, I couldn't be happier for. We've gone through a lot of hardships, me and uh, he and I, with women. And uh, I don't think either of us ever thought we'd ever be engaged. And, you know, he's first. Whether I'll ever be engaged, we will see. But he... He went first, and I'm very, very happy for him, and he's very happy. And, you know, considering where we both were sort of four years ago, um, you know, that's amazing. And I want to—I know he listens all the time, so I want to wish him congratulations. I, as of doing this podcast, am three days sober. So this is the first time in my life since about the age of 18 uh, I've gone more than a day without some form of intoxicating uh, substance in my body. I have, I quit doing drugs a long time ago and I've now quit drinking for various reasons. Um, and so, you know, it's weird not recording a podcast with a couple glasses of wine or anything like that, but I've decided to abandon that and, uh, and go through life without it being a blurry, you know, it's just a decision I've made. So that's definitely interesting for me. And, uh, you know, it makes writing these, uh, I feel a little bit sharper 
when I do that, and I felt a, a little bit sharper over these uh, last three days, and it's just, you know, I haven't been like this for almost um, 15 years. So I really look forward to a different sort of lifestyle, a healthier lifestyle, and, uh, you know, things change. A thug changes, love changes, and best friends become strangers. If you know who uh, who said that lyric, you're listening to the right podcast. Anyway, that is this week's rather bizarre show. Uh, next week's show will be a little bit more normal. We'll have some more cor- we'll have some more current news. I do hope you enjoyed this, and we'll be back next week with a way more uh, normal, up to date show. But thank you for listening to the Just So You Know podcast. I'm your host, Maxwell Usler. As always, I hope everyone has a beautiful week. Tomorrow, making dough so I won't have to. I bet your bottom dollar that I can make you holler. I bet your bottom dollar that I am the rap scholar. I bet your bottom dollar that I'm too hard to follow. I bet your bottom dollar that we next like tomorrow. Tomorrow.